Hi, I'm Bex. And I'm Laura. And we're here to talk openly and honestly about miscarriage, stillbirth and all pregnancy loss. We aim to smash the taboo surrounding these subjects. And rebuild the topic in a way to support and educate women. Rather than isolate and shame them. Welcome to the worst girl gang ever. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Worst Girl Gang Ever. Today we have Kirsty here with us. Hello Kirsty. Hello. Thank you for joining us today. We are very pleased to have you here to share your story. We're going to be talking about your experiences of miscarriage and PTSD. Do you want to start us off from the beginning? Sure, no problem. Uh, thanks so much for having me today. It's, oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks so, so much for being here. Uh, I say aww. being here again. I mean like being here virtually. <laughs> you keep making that joke, Bex. I know, every old. week. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm Kirsty, and I had a uh, miscarriage about five years ago. Um, and that's pretty much where my story starts. I actually tried for a baby with my husband for about a year beforehand so when I got pregnant there was so much um, relief and, and emotion and we were just over the moon and really looking forward to the next journey. Yeah. When you got pregnant that time was it just pure elation it was no, it was there any kind of oh I hope everything goes okay or any feelings like that or was it literally there's That's a, positive a really good question test. I've always wondered is there such thing as having no anxiety at the beginning? Oh, thanks of so much for that question compliment Laura yeah no you're welcome very welcome well deserved yeah. yeah so was it just pure like yes we're having a baby or was there any anxiety at that point at all at the beginning it was like yeah this is brilliant I can't believe we're pregnant this is amazing I couldn't stop beaming over the moon yeah. uh, like to be honest though over the next couple of weeks I was nervous right I started worrying about everything but it was more to do there wasn't any symptoms to for me to be worried I think it was normal first pregnancy worried mm. are you quite an anxious person is that why, where the worry came from oh yeah definitely okay. I've always okay. been a bit a bit anxious so when I actually got pregnant this was like oh that's pretty standard Kirsty. let her just carry I think it on. can be really <laughs> tricky when you don't have any symptoms can't it like, yeah probably symptom spotting like I used to squeeze my boobs to oh. so much that I think I actually <laughs> made them hurt just you know to check what? if I'm, they were hurting I'm so glad that you said that because I honestly when I'm wondering if I'm pregnant at the end of every month I squeeze my nipples to see if they hurt and then as you say by the end they just hurt because I've been squeezing <laughs> them for <laughs> hours of oh. every day I'm glad I'm not the only one that does that okay <laughs> sorry Kirsty. no oh. no problem at all so when I got pregnant and then we got to the 12 week scan. I did actually have a little bit of bleeding, okay. but nothing that they were worried about. They were like, mm -hmm. oh, you know, it's a little bit, it's implantation. Um, and I went for the scan and I very much remember the room like, like it was yesterday. Mm, yeah. And I went in and I lay down and everything was really quiet. And I remember it being really cold. Then she said, okay, I think you, do you mind just going to the toilet for me and we'll, we'll have to do an internal scan because I'm not seeing what I need to see right now. And at this point I was a bit like, um, okay, really scared, but you know, went on motor mode. Like I couldn't believe my body was just getting up, going to the loo, mm. coming back. Did you have any and... idea what that might mean? Nope. Okay. Nope, no idea. I just knew something was wrong. And so 
at that point, you, when you say you knew something was wrong, did you think that she just couldn't get the right view of the baby? Or did you at that point think the baby's no longer, you know, there? I didn't actually think either of those. I just didn't know because I, I know it sounds silly, but I, because with a miscarriage, because I hadn't had loads of like, you know, the bleeding, and the cramping. And I was just like, yeah. what's going on? So I didn't actually understand. So it was mm. more, what's going on? I, d- I don't understand why she can't see stuff. What? So I didn't think at that point, everything's okay. She just didn't have the right view. Maybe I was just very naive. I just, I just didn't yeah. understand well, what was going on. It was your on. first pregnancy as well. So yeah. I think that's a big difference between, you know, the procedure, you know what you're supposed to see because you can see it yourself, can't you? When you've, when yeah. you've had a pregnancy before, but when it's your first one, you literally go in there waiting to be shown and told what's happening. Yeah. And so then they did an internal scan and the word that I'll never forget is, I'm sorry, there's no heartbeat. And I remember feeling something by my hand and it was my husband and I turned and he was holding my hand and he was getting quite teary. Mm. And I just shut down. I didn't Mm. really cry, I don't think. He might say that I did, but in my head, I wasn't crying. I was just carrying on. And then they put me in the room where we talked to the consultant. And all I remember thinking was the consultant was wearing socks and sandals. And I didn't understand why she was wearing socks and sandals. No, that's a terrible choice. (laughs) (laughs) I remember focusing on that. But I remember just feeling like this massive like weight in my chest and my my heart mm. and they they went through the options with me and they organized a dnc so the surgical management under general anesthetic um and they luckily had one the next day okay. at lewis hospital so i went to lewis hospital the next day and then i remember walking out of the hospital after the operation and my legs gave way and i just Aww. cried because oh, yeah. I just felt so empty. Just it's an emptiness, isn't it? This sort of overwhelming, oh, it's just me again, takes me back. You poor so thing. Was, well, poor you as well. Poor so many women out there. And mm. again, not having any idea. And I was the first out of my group to get pregnant. I was, okay. I didn't really know anybody who had a miscarriage. Were yeah. you quite open about yours? I was to a point. I felt like it was um, word vomit. Like I felt like I had to say it. I wasn't very good at keeping it in. So it's when I saw people and they were like, oh, are you okay? And I'd be like, I had a miscarriage, but it didn't make me feel any better. But that's because little did I know, even at that stage, I wasn't coping. And I was not, I was starting to distance from myself. Mm -hmm. I drank a lot. uh, Couldn't sleep so I used to stay up late me and my husband started watching friends from the beginning we had to skip all the series with babies in them Mm. because I couldn't stop crying my husband was very very sad and he booked me a holiday to Antigua uh, which was very nice which was Mm. about a month later I went to Antigua um, with him and it was amazing I felt like I really got closure with with him then and I felt like right I'm going to come back I'm going to stop drinking I'm going to really look after myself got off the plane met a friend from work and she was like uh have you had your period yet and I was like no why and she's like well you're you keep saying how you feel really sick I'm like yeah I'm just really hung over and she's like when was the last time you drank and I was like five days ago <laughs> I was like I didn't drink that much <laughs> yeah and I was like oh crap I went and got pregnancy tests that day next day tested and I was pregnant with my now little four-year-old running around <laughs> lovely 
being pregnant the second time, I just shut down emotionally. I just didn't. There was just nothing there. I couldn't like get self, excited. Self-preservation. Very much so. So I just carried on. And I was like, oh, great. I was uh, waiting for it to go wrong. I was yeah. waiting for it. Mm-hmm. I was waiting for and that scan. How how was the pregnancy? It, looking back on it, how was the pregnancy? Obviously, at the time, I imagine it was quite fraught. But was it safe? Was there any scares or anything like that? Uh, I did have bleeding about eight weeks. So I went for a scan and I literally said to my husband, right, book Barbados. That's where we're going next. (laughs) I was like, and uh, I went for the scan. They said, no, baby's healthy. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, for now, you know, I've got time. (laughs) And I remember going for the 12 week scan and literally in shock that there was a baby there and it was kicking. And like you just said, Beck, looking back now, yeah, you can totally see it. As soon as the, the sonographer puts the scan on you, mm. you can see it. It's there. And they turn it around. They're like, oh, look, it's your baby. And I just couldn't believe it. I was in absolute shock. And the rest of the scans, every time I was really shocked, there was always like a massive disbelief that this was going to happen. And how was the birth? Was it natural or did you have to have a cesarean? I had an emergency season. How like, early was she? She was um, only, she was born at 37 weeks, so she wasn't that early. But my preeclampsia happened at 34 weeks, so she stopped growing at 34 weeks. I see. And like her kidneys shut down inside of me and stuff like that. So when she was born, she was just like this tiny, tiny baby. She was only four and a half pounds. Oh my God. absolutely tiny. So Kirsty, tell us about your mental health after having Emily. So I can pretty much say... I was scared, just scared. I know that scared doesn't seem like, of course you're scared, you've just had a baby, but Mm. I just felt scared all the time that something was going to go wrong. And bonding with her was difficult because she was so small. I had to feed her every like hour and I couldn't breastfeed because of the preeclampsia, the medication Mm. I had to be put on to stop me from seizing and keep my blood pressure under control meant I had to bottle feed her. Right. and she was just constantly feeding constantly all the time. And I felt really drained. I felt very alone, um, even though my husband was an incredible support and did more than half the feeds and stuff like that. So did you, were you spoken to at that time about postnatal depression? No. Do you think really. retrospectively you suffered from that? Yes. I feel like pretty much when I got pregnant with Emily, they kind of forgot that I'd just had a missed miscarriage right and they just were like oh you know you've got this baby now this is great you're all fixed your this baby's fix here it. that's yeah. relief yeah they were like oh you know you're, you're fine now you know yeah. you've got your baby here so that that was never really brought up again um and it only happened about a year after it was literally a year to the day of my miscarriage that I ended up really scared and shaking and my daughter went off to nursery and I remember staring at a wall for two and a half hours and I didn't realize where the time went I just Mm. went I wasn't in my body I was just gone my head was just gone were you at that point was there anyone else around no I was alone but I texted my friend because she was asking if I was okay and she was like I really think you should see the doctors I'm really worried about you um and she said for a while she's a really great friend she's the best um she she's never had a miscarriage but she is one of those really rare people who 
listens, understands. She checked on me every single day on my most recent miscarriage. She was, she's just amazing. That's um, so she got me to the doctors and she said, when you're finished, come over and I'm going to cook you lunch. So I went to the doctors and they said, right, I think you've got postnatal depression. I just sat there and went, it's been like over a year since I had a miscarriage. Why is this only coming out now? They're like, oh, depression comes out, you know, multiple times, you know, doesn't have to automatically come out. Uh, we'll put you on some medication and I'd really recommend you get some like therapy. Like they were just like, well, you've had a baby, so tick that ticks the postnatal the postnatal part and you're really low so I'm gonna go with postnatal depression. So no one took into account the fact that just before you fell pregnant with Emily you had a miscarriage and that could have been what was causing your anxiety and mental health issues. Yeah. Nothing. Okay. I started having uh PTSD symptoms. Which are so there's quite a few and people can get a variety of them. So in my case, I had a lot of dissociation. I would stare at a wall, but my head wouldn't be there. I would not be present in the room. My head would just go a bit blank. Like right. my husband says, it's like I'm just in a dream and I'm not mm-hmm. really there. And every time I had to go near a hospital or every time I had to have any kind of like scan, I would start shaking and sweating through all my clothes I kept going back to the room where I was To told. the room where you were told that you'd yeah. lost your baby. Yeah, I just kept right. going back. And I was very scared all the time. Very, very fearful. Like, um, they call it hyper, hyper alert. You're just constantly on edge waiting for something bad to happen. There are a lot of like uncontrollable crying as well. That happens around the anniversary. So when was the diagnosis changed from postnatal depression to PTSD? After this miscarriage that happened during lockdown. Tell us a bit about what happened there. So we uh, decided to give it another go, have another another baby. We were really excited. We started trying and then I fell pregnant. And a week later we went into lockdown. I was really scared. And then the same week my husband unfortunately found out he was going to be made redundant. And we came home to lockdown me being pregnant and him losing his job. And I didn't even think about miscarriage again, really, after that. And actually this pregnancy was a lot nicer than the one with uh, Emily because I said, right, the worst has already happened to me in my head. I was like, the worst has happened to me. I can cope. I can do this. I'm okay. So I felt anxious. And every time the midwives called and I was on, they high alert for them anyway because of the preeclampsia they were like oh how are you feeling mentally and I was just like oh you know anxious but I think everybody's anxious we're all in lockdown no one's particularly finding this pleasant Mm. it's good that they were asking you about your mental health it was really good yeah it was really really good and poor midwife when she was writing down my history she was like, I'm glad you're the first person of my day because I'm completely wiped out from our conversation. Mm. I was like, oh, that's good. Yeah, how do you think I feel? I lived it. Yeah, I know. I was just <laughs> like, yeah. And she's like, and you're going again? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's just carry on. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then they were like, and I asked if I could have an early scan uh, because of the miscarriage previously. And this is only if you're bleeding and really only if it's an emergency. Mm. And I said, okay, no worries. And I carried on the pregnancy, felt very pregnant, more pregnant than I did with both of my previous pregnancies. Were you squeezing no your boobs a lot? 
mine I don't need to squeeze them I just need okay. to not wear a bra for like five minutes and oh, then they yeah. just like that's awful wait. isn't it <laughs> yes I was I'm just like, like yeah, not wear it. shut up you two with your massive bangers I've got like <laughs> little fried eggs I'd do anything to not wear a bra and feel the weight of them oh I don't have that. I sometimes don't notice when I'm not wearing a bra what? Oh my god, I'd love that. I would no, love this that is, so this much. Is like, yeah, you always want what you can't have. True. <laughs> Very true. And I, <laughs> I felt really pregnant uh, with this one. And both me and my husband said, you know, this is looking good. You know, no, no bleeding. This is great. And then it got to uh, three days before my scan, and I literally had like the tiniest bits of like just one one, one tissue, and that was it bit of blood and I couldn't stop shaking and I was hysterical mm. and I called a private uh, sonographer that I found on Google and she said I can tell you're really distressed come and see me this afternoon and I'll do your scan for you and I got there and everyone was in PPE and I this is the first time I'd really gone out the whole mm. of the pregnancy so I was already and they were like how how many weeks I was like 12 weeks and she was like okay did you have to go in on your own yeah okay yeah everything was on my own uh so I went and lay down and she was fully in PPE so like with the aprons and the masks and everything mm. and she started and she went I'm gonna be honest with you I can't see a 12 week old baby and I just knew instantly and I was like okay should I go to the toilet then and she was like um okay so I went off to the toilet came back she wanted to do an internal scan as soon as she inserted the probe I went yep yeah, there she is okay no heartbeat I get it she's gone she didn't even have to say it I could tell I lay there and I didn't realize until after I got up the pillow was soaked with my tears but I wasn't oh, crying I so it was just I was it was just leaking out of me, if that makes mm. sense. I was talking like a normal person. Mm. She was just like, I just really want to give you a hug. I just want to hold your hand and I can't do anything. And I said, no. She's like, are you going to be okay? And I went, yeah. I said, that was it. That was our last time of trying. It's not happening again. I was really, really blunt with mm. her. And I just went, right, what's next? And they said, right, well, you have to go to the hospital and have another second scan because you need two people to confirm the death. And I was like, great, okay. Called um, my husband, who was with my daughter on Shoreham Beach at the time. And I said, it's bad news. It's, it's happened again. I just didn't stop crying all the way home. Did you say anything to your daughter? I said to her, mummy's not feeling very well. Yeah. Mummy's very sad. Um, Did she know that you were pregnant? No. Okay. I couldn't tell her because of what happened the first time. I wanted to, but I couldn't. Do you think you will tell her? Yes. Yeah. I am a now really strong believer that she needs to know about miscarriages early on and she needs to know that she potentially had a brother and sister you know I didn't know the 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 genders of either of my babies but uh, I that's, what you that's how I that's how I imagined it that's the mm. life I had in my head that's what I lost it mm. wasn't just the baby it was all that future all that hopes all those dreams I didn't tell her but I will do uh, when she's a bit older 
about two weeks after this miscarriage, she was going to me, I really want a baby brother or sister, mummy. Oh my mummy, God. Give, me a, give me a baby brother, give me a baby sister. And I said, mummy's not well enough. Yeah, I said, mummy's not well enough, darling. It's and she really just got hard. really huffy. <laughs> oh, did she? <laughs> yeah, she got really huffy. She's like, why can't you just have one? And she just walked off and I just... Oh, it's that's that's because my my kid my oldest two are um seven and nine and I told them about the miscarriage because obviously they're old enough to they didn't know I was pregnant beforehand but afterwards <laughs> every day <laughs> my daughter says mom are you you having a baby today uh, <laughs> no <laughs> but it is so hard because of the innocence of childhood I remember when I went for I took them both for a walk and we told them and Flynn, my daughter, just said to me, she looked up and she said, Mommy, I, I just feel really sad that your baby didn't get to see the world. Oh. And it was just, you know, when... Uh, sorry. <laughs> but it was lovely in so many ways, you know? Mm. It's lovely, the, the innocence of it and the way yeah. kids see, see things in such a beautiful way. They do. So after that all horrendousness happened... How long was it before you started getting back on your feet? Or So when the hospital called on Monday and they were like, well, because of lockdown, you can either wait and pass it naturally or you can be medically induced. We're not doing any surgeries at all. Uh, the first appointment we have is to see you on Wednesday morning. And I said, you can't see me before then. And they went, no. And I was like, I've got a baby that's dead in me. Could you please see me sooner? And they just, nope, don't have anybody until Wednesday. And I was like, great, uh, fine. Put down the phone and I couldn't stop shaking. And I thought I was going to th throw up. When I say shaking, like my, I was physically shaking all over. I couldn't hold a glass. I couldn't breathe. I was really coping. And weirdly, I just said, I have to call someone in my head. I was just like, I have to call someone. So I called my GP, the GP that I spoke to, most amazing woman she saved me, basically. She sat there on the phone. She went, I want you to tell me exactly what's going on. And I told her. I told her I wasn't sleeping again. And I told her about my first. And she went, I want you to breathe. And I'm going to give you some medication to help you sleep. At that point, none of us could tell if I'm just sleep deprived or if I'm, and, and grieving, obviously, or if there was something else going on. So mm. uh, I've seen so many doctors and I've gone in so many times and said, look, I just don't feel right. I feel anxious all the time. And they're mm. like, well, we'll give you meds or we'll give you therapy. And that, they just kind of brushed me off really, really quickly. But this one actually sat there on the phone and actually really listened to me. I remember that the GP appointment was actually over nearly an hour on the phone. Wow. She sat and listened to everything I had to say. She, she must have been worried about you. The PTSD diagnosis was how long after this experience it was a week later the symptoms started getting worse my dissociation was getting worse I was sweating through clothes constantly I was having nightmares mm. I was feeling so scared all the time and I didn't know what was going on and I thought maybe it was just the hormones leaving my body while I was miscarrying I just felt like maybe this is it and then I got really low and I sat on the kitchen floor one weekend I said to my Tim I don't want to go on I have a screaming in my head and I can't get rid of it. I can't stop this pain. I don't want to be in pain anymore. I'm done. And he got really scared. 
So you were so, diagnosed. How how did the diagnosis happen? Were you tested or I don't know how it works? No, that's right. I'm really lucky. I have Bupa with my work. So when I called up Bupa, I said, look, I really think I need some help here. I'm really struggling. And this was all my advice from my GP as well. She was like, I really think you need some extra help. So she didn't say PTSD at this point, but she's like, I really think you need some extra help. And she also put me on antidepressants at that point. She was okay. like, okay, I think it's time that we start. And she gave me um, a phone line for the Sussex mental health team. She's like, you can call them 24 seven if you ever feel that low again. I called up Bupa and they put me through their mental triage team who were amazing. They mm. were absolutely amazing. Let me talk to them and they let me talk to um, a qualified therapist. They were like, I think there's a lot of things going on here. And obviously we've only got like a 45 minute session. So we'll just go through it. We'll do the questions with you. So the questions I had to do were for depression, anxiety, PTSD, and for obsessive compulsive disorder, Mm -hmm. just to cover all the bases to make sure I was getting tested for everything. And they said, we really think you've got PTSD. And at this point I was like, what are you talking about? I haven't been to war. I haven't been in a car crash. What are you talking about? Of course. I'm like, I lost a baby. People lose babies every day. They said, you know what, it's actually really, really common with miscarriage. Mm. I, I was so blasé. I was like, no, it's not. And anyway, people lose much more than I do. You know, people have more miscarriages than I do. People lose it further on than I did. Why can't I cope with this? It's funny, isn't it? Because I think, generally speaking, loads of women that we've spoken to about this sort of thing feel like they can't, they don't have a right to grieve. Like, oh, but, you know, but if you follow that, then it's only the very worst off person in the whole world that has kind of the right Mm -hmm. to be upset about anything. Like we can only ever live in our lives and and deal with the experiences that, you know, deal with the hands that we've been dealt. Everyone has the right to be upset. And, but it's, it's so funny because you saying that, Oh, I thought it was, you know, I haven't been to war. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. Everyone loses babies. You are talking yourself out of your, validation you know you're invalidating your own feelings which is nuts but we're conditioned to do that yeah and I think we're conditioned massively to do that as women you know we look after other people first other people are worse off than us we help others before we help ourselves you've said it too though Bex haven't you you said oh I feel like an imposter yeah I have because because I've got three kids and I've had one miscarriage and I'm speaking to all these women who have had but you're not preaching to them times. you're no, just a- no. allowing allowing these conversations to happen and the fact that you've stepped up and had the balls to to do it means that you you're keep not telling me i've got balls laura and i'm getting a little bit worried because I, ha- I promise i haven't <laughs> <laughs> you say so yeah <laughs> But oh, no, yeah, it's actually... true. But I think we just do we do that, don't we? We go, oh no, no, don't look at little old me. Go and go and yeah. go I and think chat to someone more worthy. This is the reason why the PTSD in relation to miscarriages has gone undiagnosed for so many years, because it was only recently in January, I think this year, that Tommy's came out with some research that said it is common after miscarriage and ectopic pregnancies. PTSD is incredibly common and it doesn't matter what the trauma was doesn't have to be war doesn't have to be a car crash it's a trauma it's post-traumatic so it's really good that people are now talking about Mm. it more the research has been done and gps are now able to recognize it i Mm. think you know going back even a year to get a diagnosis of ptsd following miscarriage would have been a really tricky thing 
for them to diagnose but well, now absolutely. hopefully people will get the appropriate treatment well five years ago nobody ever exactly. talked to me nobody about how i coped it. with it no nobody did and it's really surprising that when i was even having like the flashbacks after this miscarriage it was back to that first miscarriage mm. and i was constantly thinking about that first miscarriage and that was coming out in a lot of my conversations mm. with gps and stuff so tell us about the treatment that you had for the ptsd so i met a wonderful therapist who at uh, first after the first conversation with her I said I've been told I've got PTSD from miscarriage I thought she would laugh at me yeah. I literally did and she went no problem and she literally mm. was just like I understand and she said to me uh, you know what I can help you I can really help you I can stop oh, but you did being you cry? scared yeah I couldn't yeah. stop crying it's the first person who said she was like, everything you're describing to me, I can help. I can fix. Oh, Do not worry. It's amazing. That is, that must have been absolutely amazing. Yeah, lifted. of course. Just, oh, and also, as you hands. say, like every time someone says to you, you know, like you said, I expected her to laugh at me. And she said, okay, I understand. And I think that is a huge thing with this topic, this topic of pregnancy loss, of miscarriage. Every time... I have said to someone, I had a miscarriage and they've said, I'm sorry, I understand because they've had one too. It just makes you feel a little bit less lonely and a little bit more understood. Mm. And it's an amazing thing to hear. I understand. Wow. It's like, that's what the GP said on the phone. She was just like, after everything you've told me, I understand why you're feeling Mm. like this. Mm. This is normal. That reassurance that you're not batshit crazy absolutely i honestly felt like i was going batshit crazy i didn't know what was going on with me at yeah. all yeah and that's a horrible when you feel insane. out of control of your own emotions and experiences and you know even symptoms and stuff you just start to feel horrid absolutely and i felt like it's very much going back to something that we've all talked about before which is everyone else is coping mm. why can't i just cope what is wrong with me why can't i cope with what's happened to me and I did feel like a fraud actually Mm -hmm. because it was just one and I've just said it then it was just one miss miscarriage at the beginning and now it's two miss miscarriages she's been helping me a lot my uh, psychotherapist talking to you ladies today I'm not shaking I'm not sweating I'm not crying I'm okay I'm safe and that's that's the first time I felt safe in over five years that's fantastic. Amazing. Yeah. And so what does, what does the future look f- like for you? Are you still in the kind of, no, I definitely don't want any more children just in case, or are you, thanks to this therapy, is your horizon sort of broadening a bit in terms of the future? There is a bit of both, to be honest. I'm on the road to recovery, but I still have bad days. I wouldn't want to shake it up again, especially mm. anytime mm. soon. And I know that you and I um, connected a while ago, must have been couple of months ago now and I know that off the back of that you told your friends and family about your experiences and I just wondered how that had gone and how that had helped you in your in your road to recovery so yeah I'm really sorry about this everybody but this is my little I love Bex moment I was on a Facebook and this 
crazy lady uh posted her story about what? her is miscarriage. That me? that's you oh it's not uh, sounding great so far <laughs> <laughs> but you know what uh bex's um post was so articulate and she spoke for me and i went this is me this is me this mm. happened to me i wrote her instantly it was just like you're my lockdown sister like i had a mis- miscarriage Aww. too i've never met anybody who's had a mis- miscarriage i was oh man i was fangirling all over the place. oh yeah um, i'm the crazy one <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i just couldn't believe i'd met someone who was talking about it and calling us warriors bex uh, did an article for the metro i was reading it and i just went you know what it's time it's absolutely time I'd never, ever posted about what happened previously. And I put it on there. But it was actually about this one, about having a miscarriage during this lockdown. Oh, my God. The reason I did it is for the same reason that Bex did it. If I can help one woman one day, I would be made up forever. Because mm. I just want one woman to read my story, hear my story, think of me, and not feel so alone called my husband who's in Sainsbury's at the time I was like I've done something I think brave and he was like oh god what have you done he ran home and hugged me and he went I'm so proud of you he's like you've never spoken about it it's amazing it's really really great and it is scary do you know what it's so scary because no one talks about it and it's you just feel like are you attention seeking why are you doing it and at the end of the day I knew it was important. I knew in my gut that it was really, really important. Mm. And when, particularly you, but when I started being contacted and saying, I haven't talked about it before and talking about it has helped me, I felt the most enormous, like the best, most proud I've ever been Mm. to just help people open up. And I'm so happy that you opened up and you had such a phenomenal uh, response because that's what I said. If I can help one woman, open up, talk about their experience and receive support. Yeah. And then that's it. Then, then anything is worth doing. Well, and, and then it encourages that woman for me. It encourages the next person to do it. And, yeah, the next of course person. It and then before you know it, there is that open dialogue and people. And we've done what we came here to do. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So and thanks, I feel Kirstie. that. Oh, well, literally, I can't believe I'm on a podcast talking to you ladies about my experience. (laughs) It's just crazy going from what I was going through, like, you know, how I felt to this. It's just amazing. It's so exhilarating because I feel so safe. The treatment that I've been getting from my psychotherapist, big shout out to Rebecca, if she's listening. Uh, Best name in the world, FYI. She did say, she was like, oh my God, please say my name. (laughs) Uh, So she's just been amazing. And I know how fortunate I am to have the therapy. I know how fortunate I am to have that GP who answered that call one day. I know Mm. how fortunate I am to have happened to be on Facebook that day and read that article from Bex. I know how fortunate I am that all of these things have hit into place. And I just hope more women can have that. But by speaking about your experiences and getting it out there and broadcasting it and putting it in a podcast, more women will know that that is available. And that is why this is important. Absolutely. And if anybody is out there and they're like, oh, I might have PTSD, I would just say, please just talk to someone, talk to Mm. a GP and keep going. If the GP is not responding, just keep going. Keep going. You're not alone. Yeah. And you will get there and you are safe even though it doesn't feel like you're safe at all, you are safe, I can promise Mm. you. And you will be looked after. And 
just saying I've got PTSD has really helped Mm -hmm. even just help me cope with everyday life because now I understand it better because I understand my mental health better so knowledge is power absolutely yeah Oh well, Kirsty, I am so so happy that you came on our podcast and you have talked so openly and so bravely about your PTSD diagnosis and your miscarriages. Thank you so so much for coming, and we'd love to keep in touch and let us know, keep us updated with how you're getting on. Thank you so much, ladies. It's been an absolute pleasure. Really good to talk to you. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Tuning in. I keep saying tuning in. It sounds so <laughs> grandma. Thank you on the on the wireless. Thank you so much, guys, for listening, and we will hopefully see you next week. Hey, listen. No, fuck. What What do you say? See you next week. See you next week. <laughs> Please, please, guys, if you have enjoyed our podcast this week, rate, review, share, and let's get this taboo smashed. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revelhorwood, Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.